Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,210. You got to show your passion, you got to show your heart, and you got to show your love if you're truly enjoying what you're doing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in. Actually, he's on the road in California, Scott Pruitt. Scott, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and ready for Literally, I'm buckled up and ready for a fun ride. Well, I was going to say, I hope so. I know you're on the road uh, heading out to your winery today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, I want to introduce Scott. Of course, most of you know who he is. If you followed racing for any period of time, you'll know about Scott Pruitt. Scott spent 50 consecutive years racing and retired in 2018 after competing in the Rolex 24 at Daytona, where he had five overall wins throughout his career. His career highlights include IMSA, SCCA, Trans Am, IROC, NASCAR, Grand American, Kart, USAC, ALMS, and the Professional Karting Association, to name just a few. He started racing at the young age of eight and since then earned an enormous number of record wins, awards, and championships. He has 60 combined American sports car victories, which is a record, by the way, and 88 combined victories throughout the many racing disciplines he's competed in. Today, he works as a brand ambassador for Lexus and Rolex. But Scott's not slowing down. One of his latest ventures, along with his wife, Judy, is winemaking. And their Pruitt Vineyards produces some of the finest wines to enjoy today. I can say I have partaken in some of those libations. Great job you and Judy and your team there are doing. Scott, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your racing career, your passion for automobiles, and today, winemaking? Well, thanks, Mark. First, uh, for all those guys who have seen me on TV or maybe be interviewed in the past, hi to my family at home. Number one priority is always family. Family first. Uh, 50 years of racing. Good Lord bless me with an incredible career. Uh, and then different ventures. I like to do a lot of different things. My wife and I have written children's books. We have the wine venture going on, which has gone so far beyond my expectations of, of, of the ratings and following we're getting. And as you said, I'm on the road right now, literally uh, heading to pick up some empty glass to partake in some bottling tomorrow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote, a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you in your life and the many successes you've had in racing. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on Cars. Yeah. So, Scott, literally take the wheel. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've teach my kids a couple things. Number one is give your best and then some. And, and we, we break that down to, and then some whenever they, whenever they talk to me. And the other one I like to live by is if you're on time, you're late. I'm, I'm that guy who, who shows up early. I'm typically the, the first one in the racetrack in the morning and one of the last ones to leave. And, and you know, you got to show your passion. You got to show your heart. And you got to show your love if you're truly enjoying what you're doing. Ah, great, great sayings. I love that. And I love especially... Uh, if you're on time, you're late. My father uh, taught me that lesson in life, and it served me well and obviously served you as well. I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars and racing. Is I know you started racing cars at eight. I mean, my goodness, 50 years of racing is absolutely mind-blowing. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realize, you know what, I am a race car guy? 
There was, and it's and it's interesting you say that because when I first got involved, my dad got me involved in in, in going racing and, and go karts, uh, which you could do at the time, and and I liked it, but I wouldn't say that I had a passion for it. I was also that that kid in school. I you know played baseball, football, basketball. I uh, was very fortunate to do to do well at all those things. Also, was very heavily involved in in wrestling uh, as I moved in up through the ranks and in, in in grade school and then into high school. And it got to be that point where I started bulking up. I started getting stronger, and I had to make a decision because as I raced go karts, you had to stay at a certain weight because you were weighed with with your with your go kart. And I was getting beyond that point to be able to stay on that on that number. And that I think was that critical moment where I had to make that decision on what direction I was going to head. And I loved racing. I passionately loved it. Would never have thought in my life that I would have got as far as I have. The Indy 500, Daytona 500, Brickyard, uh, Le Mans, uh, Rolex 24, Daytona, on and on and on. So uh, I think I made the right choice. Uh, yeah, most definitely you made the right choice. You think back, well, I could bulk up and uh, be a wrestler the rest of my life or uh, be a race car driver and go around the world and uh, fulfill my dream. Oh, my gosh, that's pretty funny. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a failure. Racing is fraught with challenges. Oh, my gosh. I've had so many racers on the show and so many great stories. I'd love for you to share a point in time in your career that really, really pushed you hard, really, really made you think about, is this what I should be doing? But more importantly, what was the lesson learned from that experience and how did it help you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your racing career? Well, Mark, it's that's actually it's the reality that even up until uh, my last race, it was my whole career. You had to, you had to push yourself. I mean, when you look at the fact that, you know, when I was in my late forties and then into my fifties, winning races and winning championships and breaking records, there's not many athletes that would at that late stage of their career continue to have that much achievement. And so for me personally, I, never left. I never lifted at all. I mean, I just kept my head down, kept focused and training and, and, and nutrition and, and learning. And, and, and I even relate back to some of the interviews now, as I talk about what racing has meant and what it is that even in my last race, I consider myself a student of the sport. As many races I've, as I've done and all the things that I've achieved, I still learn from every event that I did. Some things were good, some things were bad, but I took away uh, different different moments and different different things from, from every event. So there's not one. It's, it was the whole career, just being 110% focused and never, and never lifting. Obviously, you needed a very supportive family to do that because I know you've got a, a, a wonderful family. And the fact that, you know, racers are on the road, they're gone all the time. I would imagine that family support meant everything to you. It, it does and did. And I can't say enough about one, you know, my parents who early on all that support. I mean, it was nothing to, you know, we, I won my first national title uh, when I was uh, 13 years old. And what that meant was is that traveling cross country in a van, driving 24 hours a day with different, you know, my mom, my dad driving uh, and so on. And so their commitment to, you know, at, at that level. And, and then obviously, uh, once I was married and, you know, my family, my wife's wonderful, my kids, and that's what they know. I mean, that's what they grew up with. Dad's on the road all the time. Dad's racing all the time. When you, when you grow up with something that is, seems like uh, they don't know anything, know anything different. 
at that with that same breath, you know, everybody knows how much I love my family, and and without a doubt, and I, I put them first, but you know above everything. And but you do as you as you touched on, uh, I've been very fortunate, uh, married a long time to my beautiful wife, and and just got three great kids, and and it all it's all been a wonderful journey, no doubt. And this journey with the vineyards is the next stage in your life, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but. First, I'd love for for you to tell me about your first really special car, or we could twist this up a little bit. The first race car you got in that was really, really special to you, that you kind of went, oh my gosh, I've made it. This is pretty incredible. And maybe share a memory about that vehicle or that event. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a car guy. I mean, I am a car guy. You know, it's, um, it, it's interesting. That was one of the ways that, um, you know, my that I worked together with my dad. He was in the aerospace industry, but on the side, we, we bought wreck cars. Our cars needed work. Uh, I drove them for a little bit, sold them, made a little money, bought the next car, uh, and so on, so on. So my first car, and uh, for those enthusiasts out there, a 65 uh, SS396 Chevy Impala. It was black, white interior. I saved enough money to buy the car for $500 with no engine and transmission. And then my parents gave me uh, an engine. They bought me an engine and transmission as a birthday present. And I had to put, put the whole thing together with some help from my dad. And, uh, you know, I, I still have just such great memories of that car being being my first car. And, and also the fact that, you know, I had to build it. I had to put it together. And I loved every minute of it. Well, that makes it extra special when you have to work for something. That's for sure. Is there a vehicle's remorse story, a car you've let go in your past that you really wish you still had in your garage? Everyone. <laughs> you know, I had, yes. when we talk about all these cars, I mean, I had, you know, I had that car, I had a 60 Corvette, I had a, I had a numerous different, you know, 914s, 914, uh, two liter, 914.6. I had a number of different horses over the years. I had a number, I, I had Mini Coopers. I had, gosh, probably over the years, um, uh, seven or eight or nine, you know, different Corvettes, uh, some of the hot rod pickups I had. And, I mean, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And, and so when I, as I look back, even, even most recently, I sold a, a 1950 Buick Woody, which was full, which, which was full custom dropped and, and we built it from the ground up. I had it for about 10 years, absolutely loved it and sold it at Monterey during the concourse, um, at the Mecham uh-huh. auction. And I still have regrets about selling it too. So, um, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, I, I've been fortunate to have just so many great cars and still do that uh, you can't keep all of them because you can't drive all of them. So you kind of pick and choose which ones are your favorites and you keep those. Absolutely. You know, when I went to your website and checked out Pruitt Vineyards, beautiful website, by the way, there's a great picture of you and Judy next to a very cool 67 VW bus. I'd love for you to talk for a little bit about that before you talk a little bit more about what has you excited today? Because uh, that caught my eye. It's it's one of those cars that I had the opportunity, interestingly enough, I, I, I semi-traded it. I had a, a 55 Chevy convertible that was dropped and chopped. And, and the guy that owned the VW at the time, and it took about a year to put that together. I love that VW. It, beautiful car, uh, redone. And then subsequently, I've redone it as well. So even though the body is stock, uh, four-wheel disc brakes, 2300cc engine, forced leather interior, something where you can get in and drive it and, and really enjoy it. And everywhere we go, people just swarm that van. And in most, yeah. recent, in most recent years, we've seen the price of those 
go way up and people keep making me these obscene offers for that for that band but that's one of those <laughs> yeah. ones i just i'm not gonna sell we throw the family in it we go out for a drive and and everybody digs it you know it it is very cool i was mentioning to you in our pre-show chat um i recorded one of my cars yeah tv shows at straight up dubs uh joey there who's just south of you where you are today he's down south of sacramento in the wine country beautiful country there restores and let me go out for a ride in one of his old VW buses. Um, there's just something wonderful about those. And I love the fact that you're driving it, you're putting your kids in it, enjoying it. And it fits the the vibe of a winery. And I'd love for you to share what has you excited and fired up today about the new Pruitt Vineyards. Because this is a fairly new venture for you, but extremely successful. Very, very cool. I mentioned at the beginning, I've enjoyed your wines. They are delicious. So tell us a little bit more about what you and Judy and your team there are doing. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where I grew up on a ranch. I love being outside. I love working in the dirt. I love working. So I didn't want to do row crops because I, you know, I grew up with wheat and rice and oats and, and baling hay and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to do something a little bit more romantic. We, fortunately, where, where we live now, where the vineyards are, it's um, very old. So it was first established with vineyards back in the mid-1800s. Uh, 1853, wow. I believe, was the first year. And then during Prohibition, it all went away. Before we did it, we did all the soil study and climate studies because I didn't want to put vines in my backyard just to say, hey, look, I got vines in my backyard, but they didn't have the chance of producing something exciting. Got the best people from Napa because we're only about an hour and a half from Napa. Got the best people we could find to do that. They said, two thumbs up. This is an incredible place. Do you need to plant? We did. We're focused on Syrah. Uh, in 2012, 2014, by Wine Spectator, one of the most respected Raiders in the industry, wine magazines and, and, and Raiders. We had the highest rated Syrah in the world at 96 points um, both those years. Typically, we're the highest in California. We currently just got our ratings for our 2016 uh, estate Syrahs. We got 93, 94, 95. And with that 95 point, we are tied with an Australian winery, again, for the, one of the highest rated Syrahs in the world. So we've gone from not knowing and, and seeing what, what potential this land has to being arguably one of the best producers, if not in, in the United States uh, of the world, and the fact that, you know, I do all the winemaking, which is even more fun. You know, I loved it when I was on your website, and I see Scott Pruitt with a shovel in his hand, <laughs> shoveling grapes, <laughs> working in the dirt. I mean, you have the biggest smile on your face. I think it's as big as any smile I've seen of you in a race car when you pull into Victory Lane. I, I think this is a wonderful next chapter, growing something from the earth, producing something like this. Absolutely spectacular. And when I was uh, at the Ironstone uh, Vineyards for their Concours last year, driving from Sacramento there, I couldn't believe the vineyards in that part of California. You always think of Napa and so forth, but that whole region up there is just nothing but grapes. It's beautiful. It, it, it is beautiful. And there is so much activity that, that you see now uh, up and around this area. It's, it's, been, it's been exciting and certainly enjoyed every moment of it. But I have to say, you know, what's interesting is that the wine business is just fractions of a second. Everything happens just in small moments of time in comparison to vintages. And, and I got it with my yeah. transition out of full-time racing. You know, one of the biggest challenges I, I have, I already thought I was going to have was how am I going to get my adrenaline fixed? Cause I wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know, you know, driving fast cars and all that. So I was very fortunate to, to sign on with Lexus. I host all the Lexus Performance Driving Schools and, and get the opportunity. We were, we were at Indy not too long ago. We were at Daytona not too long ago doing some of those performance driving schools, again, at Laguna Seca. 
uh, here in a couple months and, and driving, you know, 160, 170 miles an hour, giving rides in some of the RCF, GSF cars. And I can sit here and tell you, I do have an outlet for, for my adrenaline fix. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, I had Todd Lewis, who connected us from Lexus on the show. Uh, not too long ago. And the cars that Lexus is producing right now, the sports car, are just absolutely phenomenal. And I love the fact that you're able to wrap that passion for racing back into your work with Lexus. I know you're spokesman for Rolex, but then slow it down a little bit, jump on the tractor, ride through the vineyards there at Pruitt Vineyards and, uh, and get your fix there. I, I think it's fantastic. Sounds like life is very, very good for Scott Pruitt. So, Scott, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom patterned for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes, and they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah! Podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah! TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah! is now on MAV-TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah! guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MAVTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah! TV. MAV-TV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MAVTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, we are back. And uh, before I get into what I call the last lap, I have a very introspective question for you, Scott. If you were manifested into a car, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were a car, a race car, any car parked in a garage, what would Scott Pruitt be and why? That's a really good question. I have been so fortunate to drive so many great cars, 962s, XJR, you know, the, the, the full-blown uh, Jaguar race cars, oh. drove for Tom oh, Walkenstaw, yeah. and, you know, the XJR 12, XJR 14s. Uh, and when I look back at some of those most exciting times, I, I remember the, mid, the mid-90s in IndyCar, because from, from the mid-90s through the latter part of the 90s, we had a tire war going on. We had chassis wars going on. We had engine wars going on. 
we had close to a thousand horsepower in these uh, 1300 pound uh, Indy cars and really sticky tires. And they were just yeah. wicked fast to drive. I mean, just incredible. And you had to put it right on the edge. So I would have to give my nod to kind of that mid eighties to late nineties IndyCar. In fact, when I, I, I drove for Toyota, uh, in, in 1999 and we were turning, uh, they were overhead cam engines, but we were turning them to almost 19,000 RPM. And oh my gosh. They were wicked wow. fast. And, and, uh, I got, you know, my last race, I got the first full for Toyota at Fontana. Uh, average speed around the track was about 236 miles an hour, right on the oh edge. Oh my gosh. And so I would say if I was going to be one, I want to be my, my Toyota powered Indy car, uh, sitting in the garage. That was a wicked period of time. I mean, the speeds, I would sit there and watch those races and just go, how could you maintain focus for that long at that speed? I mean, it just blew me away. I, it, you must have just gotten into a zone or something. I mean, you you had to be on top of that that car the whole time. I mean, you could never, uh, even for a fraction of a second, let your guard down. And and you had yeah. to, you know, we were when you know before coming to Fontana, we were over in Australia racing through the streets down in, in Queensland. It was uh, Surfers Paradise specifically, and you had like in qualifying and in the race, if you weren't if you didn't have scrapes of cement like on the, on the in plates or, or, or on the edges of the tires and some other stuff, you were leaving too much track out there. And that's how mm-hmm. you had to approach it all the time. I mean, you had to be on the ragged edge every, every single moment. And it was such a uh, intense and magical time that it was uh, unforgettable. Well, thanks for the memories. A wonderful times watching you and all the other guys race back in those days. Well, I've got a couple of questions for you here. I called it the lightning round or the last lap, if I say. Uh, the white flag's out. You've seen that many times. The checkered flag is coming, so time to put our foot into it. What's the best racing advice you've ever received? You know, it was uh, actually from Dan Gurney, who is just an incredible hero of mine. And it was not something that he said. It was more how he acted. You know, I went, you know, he was a young kid and I love racing and I was nobody at the time. And he was one of those guys that, that took the time with me. He didn't know who I was. I was just this, this kid aspiring to be, to be, you know, just be able to go drive and, and go race and follow my passion. He was that guy who, one, he was so successful in multiple disciplines. And he also, with, with the fans and, and, and with just people in general, he he took the time and and was very humble and and warm and I just felt if I could even take a small amount of of what he and how he achieved everything on all those different levels that's what I had hoped for. Yeah, what a gentleman! I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. I wanted desperately to get him on this show, but in his uh, latter years, I know he was struggling a bit and he was so busy trying to get so many things done. I mean, Dan was the kind of guy that never lifted either. He just was yeah. always going, always going, always creating, always doing something. Uh, I know he was working on a book at the end of his life as well. So yeah, Dan Gurney, here's to Dan. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? Because nobody gets through 50 years of racing with the kind of success you've had without being very disciplined. It's, it's the way you approach your life. If you love what you do, it never seems like work. And even though there's a lot of work to do it all, and I think for, for me and, and, and people who know me is that either I'm not going to do it or I'm all in. And it's one or the other. And when I'm all in, I mean, I'm all in. And 
you know, whether it's everyday training, uh, the everyday focus, being focused on, on your nutrition, being focused on, uh, you know, spending time and having that balance with your family, keeping a good mental attitude about things, keeping a good balance with things, and really focusing on what's going to help move you forward. It's so easy to get caught up in, in all the minutia of all this other stuff that's in and around us every day and those things that we're inundated with. Uh, the difficult part is you got to clear all that away and have that singular focus of where you're going. Absolutely. Now, I know there's tons of resources out there for everybody, but is there one in particular that you might share with us that you go to quite often? You know, there's there's so many that I that I do. You know, it's there's you know, it <laughs> you know, we we are that age where we have seen, you know, the creation of the internet and and then being able to take full advantage of it. And I love to have the internet at at my fingertips. You know, I was very fortunate. Um, I just was received the Denise McCluggage Award from from Auto Week and be able to jump on Auto Week. Um, uh, was was named number one of fifteen most iconic sports car drivers, uh, and that was from Automobile Magazine. Uh, I was just looking at uh, some stuff on on Lexus.com last night, looking at some of the new uh, the new products we have, and and looking through that. So. I would say it's it's different to have to say that there's one publication because there's there's so much material out there. My focus would be uh, spending some time on the internet because I mean the world is at your fingertips and there's so much stuff to go see and do literally from wherever you're at on on your computer or or, or for now you know for the most part your your phone. I mean great moments. I mean you can pick up some great races in Formula One, some great races from IMSA. Or you can pick up, hey, what was that memory I had? Remember 1995, I was, you know, winning the, the Marble <laughs> yes. 500? What would that last lap look like again? You know, so, yeah, um, yeah, so there's yeah. not one. I, but, I, I, I mean, I just dig spending time uh, on the Internet just looking at all the great stuff. It's incredible. And congratulations for that award. I was very fortunate to have Denise as a guest here on the show before we lost her a few years ago. Uh, what a tremendous woman. I got to spend some time sitting next to her during the Pebble Beach Concours when the cars were driving over the the ramp and, and just talk with her, you know, just kind of one-on-one. I didn't know her. She didn't know me, but she was, she was so graceful, so kind, so nice. Uh, another great person in our past uh, racing history. Now here's a nice question. If I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? You know, I got to say, um, there's so many great ones. I mean, you got these great guys that I spent, you know, when I look back at my career and people ask me, what's your favorite race? What's your favorite that? I, I actually tell them my favorite thing that I've done is I've raced against so many iconic drivers, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Earnhardt Sr., Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Mario Andretti, Michael Andretti. And, you know, the list goes on and on, the Unsers and Fittipaldi's and driving together with Bob Wallach. And it's it's difficult to pick out one. However, there is that one, Dan Gurney would, would be it. Because even though I had the opportunity to spend some time with him, you never really, the only thing you came away with is knowing there's so many more layers of that great man. You'd like to get to know more. And so yeah. just sitting across from Dan and he's such a smart guy, but also so successful in so many di- different disciplines that uh, he is, I mean, like I say, he's forever my hero. Yeah, yeah, incredible guy. I even have one of those stickers, Dan Gurney for president. Remember those from yeah. back in the, the day? <laughs> yeah, so every time there's an election period for presidents, I put that sticker on my car. I've I like got a that. bunch of them. I bu- <laughs> I yeah, like I bought it. I bought them. I bought them. I think it was when I was at a uh, an 8500 race, and there was a vendor selling them, and I bought like dozens of them. 
So every four years when there's a presidential race, I stick that. And I have some funny, funny responses from people that either guys or gals that know him or people go, I didn't know he's running. Where, where can I learn more about him? So yeah. Well, you got my address cool now. So if you have an extra one, I would love okay. to, uh, I'll put it up with all my racing paraphernalia in the wine ring. I'll send that to you. Absolutely. Nice. Well, I always ask my guests for a book reference, but I know you and your wife, Judy, uh, have written four children's books, and I'll read the titles here, 12 Little Race Cars, 12 More Little Race Cars, Rookie Racer, and Racing Through the Alphabet. Uh, they're all done through wordweaverbooks.com, where you can find copies. Tell me a little bit about your book endeavor. Well, it was when we had young kids, and we are always big for you know reading at bedtime or any other time that, that the kids are interested. So we you know, bought a number of, of different children's books and found out none of them were authentic. I mean, you see what happens in the race and what's happened to the cars and, and what's taken place. And, and so one afternoon, evening, my wife and I are just hanging out. We start just doing this 12 little race cars, 11 little race cars, 10 little race cars, kind of a rhyming format and just kind of one up mm-hmm. at each other and, and having some fun with it. And she goes, wow, I need to write all this down because this is really cool. And so she later said, we have turned this into a book. And I right in the middle of my IndyCar career. And I said, well, you're going to have to turn it into a book because I'm so busy. <laughs> yeah. At that point, we didn't know exactly what to do, what's, what was going to take place. We didn't, you know, we went to a few publishing houses, but also learned that, that it's easy to lose the creative content. And we didn't want to lose that. So we formed our own little publishing house, where we were Books. And uh, we're all self-published because we wanted to keep it authentic. We wanted, even mm-hmm. though it's a it's it's a cartoonish type, really fun character cars. We also and Twelve Little Race Cars is a counting down book. Uh, Rookie Racer is an inspirational story. Obviously, Racing Through the Alphabet is an ABC book. And all the pictures and all the things and all the stuff were either things that happened to me, things that take place at the racetrack, or, or things in and around racing that, that take place, and, and 100% authentic. Cool. Very cool. I'll put a link to that on Scott's show notes page on the Cars yeah website, or you can just go to wordweaverbooks.com, and you can get yourself copies of those. Uh, I'm going to do that as well. If I am fortunate enough to get blessed with some grandchildren sometime in the future, I'm going to get those books and have them on the shelf uh, ready for those little kids for sure. That's great. Fantastic. Well, we are up to the checkered flag here, Scott. This last question could be a bit of a doozy for a guy who's set in so many cars as you have. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. But there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys or wine bottles with. Uh, you have to drive it. I want this to be a car that you get out on the road and enjoy. No garage queens here. And it's the only collector car you can have. That makes it very, very difficult to choose. So choose wisely, my friend. That is such a difficult, especially for a car guy. It is such a <laughs> difficult, uh, difficult question. However, with that being said, I will have to defer to my, to my 67 VW van. And the reason I say that between a lot of these other things is that I can spend time uh, and take my family for a ride with me. Uh, I can go just with my with my wife. When you look at some of these exotics, I mean, when you look at some of the incredible Ferrari Daytonas and when you look at a lot of the Porsches and even uh, Lexus LFA, which which comes in a, in a very close second place, I got to say, because that's such a beautiful car and, and uh, oh, yeah. an iconic car. Um, but just being a two-seater... I, I really enjoy spending uh, spending time with the family as well. So 
I'd like to say that, that I do have my dream car and that I, I enjoy every moment of it and, and just don't get to spend enough time driving it around. You know, I've got a huge smile on my face for a couple of reasons. One is knowing that Scott Pruitt has his dream car. Secondly, I don't have to buy you a car. You already have it. So that saves, <laughs> saves me a few shackles uh, since I've bought so many cars here for my past 1,200 plus guests. But I'm really, really happy for you, the fact that you have that car and that it's such a great thing and the fact that it's uh, surrounded by the fact that you like to take your uh, family on a ride. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you taking some time on your drive today to spend with us. Thank you. I've enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your incredible journey and history, and and your journeys just continue to get better and better. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance uh, before you uh, drive off over that next hill uh, to pick up some more wine bottles for your uh, your tasty wine? I would, you know, the only thing I can say it goes back to to my initial mantra uh, is you know give it your best and then some. If you if you love what you do, and I think that's the second part to this. There's so many people in life that. I feel get caught up with only making money rather than enjoying what they do. You know, life is more about make is more than just about making money. It's, it's, it's about, you know, you, you got to dig the ride, you got to dig the ride of life. And so <laughs> find your passion and what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. A guy who walks his talk. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with all the wonderful activities you're involved in these days? There's so many different levels. You got scottpruitt.com. You got uh, pruittvineyard.com, Word Weaver Books, like you mentioned. Also go to Lexus, Lexus Racing on either the website or on the, the, the Twitter feed. Uh, I'm also, you can pick me up on, on Twitter at scottpruitt01, uh, as well as Instagram. So uh, we, we post a lot. I'm doing so many fun things. I try to keep up with a lot of great pictures and, and a lot of great content. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything Scott has shared here. On his Cars Yeah show notes page, just go to carsyeah.com, type in Scott Pruitt, and all these links will come up so you can follow along with this incredible ride that Scott continues on. And again, another shout out to Todd Lewis from Lexus for connecting Scott and I today. Thank you, Todd. If you listeners missed my talk with him, you've got to go back and find it on the Cars Yeah website. Scott, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your amazing experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. I really enjoyed the opportunity just to spend a little time and we can go on for hours, but uh, the half hour show is up. Uh, I hope maybe we are past cross again. I would certainly enjoy it. You're always welcome. Come visit at the, at the vineyard. Absolutely. I think I'm going to take you up on that. There's nothing better. I'd like to sit down with Scott Pruitt and toast a glass of your beautiful tasty Syrah. Have a wonderful day. Thanks again. You too, Mark. Thank you so much. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!